Hi, this is John Barnes, and you're listening to Copon. This is the beginning of a poem called East Coker from the Four Quartets by T.S. Eliot. In my beginning is my end. In succession, houses rise and fall, crumble, are extended, are removed, destroyed, restored, or in their place is an open field, or a factory, or a bypass. Old stone to new building, old timber to new fires, old fires to ashes, and ashes to the earth which is already flesh, fur, and feces, bone of man and beast, cornstalk and leaf. In many ways, there's nothing new about a Premier League season opener, about Liverpool Football Club overcoming a promoted side, or about seeing Diogo Jota getting one chance and scoring one goal. There's nothing new about Virgil van Dijk gracefully passing the ball 70 yards right onto a teammate's toe, or Sadio Mane giving defenders the heebie-jeebies, or Mo Salah tormenting opponents like a guilty conscience torments a nun. There's nothing new in seeing the bond between our players and our fans, our glorious fans, back in their rightful and happy place. But put all of these things together, and from our perspective, alongside the very gods on top of this mountain that Jurgen Klopp has built from mud and rock and effort and love, from this perspective, looking out over the valleys below, my goodness, it's a beautiful view, and my goodness, it's great to be back. We're back. Brian, how does it feel? Well, to dot my cap to you, Owen, uh, in the words of T.S. Eliot, the journey, not the destination, matters. And the journey begins this weekend. And what a glorious spectacle it's been. Absolutely brilliant. And it's just finished with City getting their pants pulled down. I'm very happy. That's great. Let's start there. Let's start with City and Spurs because literally, it literally finished 10 minutes ago. Um, a Nuno masterclass. Um, Brian, I'm going to stay with you. They're in a lot of trouble, City. You can you can see they're trying to shoehorn Jack Grealish in. Uh, you know, he's, he's not going to fit in as a number eight because he leaves in space behind for the counter-attack. Spurs could have got two. They could have got three. Or am I just sort of getting too excited because, uh, you know, Pep... Um, you know, has shown himself to be a bit of a fraud once more. Uh, I, I don't know how to answer that, but, you know, you're, you're right in, res- in respect that Jack Grealish is an attacking option and he leaves uh, weakness behind him and he's playing on the side of Sterling and he's ne- playing next to the side of Fernandinho, who's 400 years old now. So <laughs> while on paper... Everybody's, uh, you know, it, it looks like a great side and, and whatnot. Um, 
it, it just didn't work, did it? Uh, uh, when when the game progressed, and uh, look, you know, you can never discount City. They are the main uh, rivals every season. So any points they drop, it's just a celebration. It is indeed. Ryan, you're with us. I'm, I'm with Brian and Ryan and uh, Alan and Abdul are all joining us for this for this glorious celebration of the first weekend. Um, Ryan, how's it going? I mean, you can uh, talk about the, the brilliance of uh, how you're feeling after this weekend. You can talk about the City match, talk about whatever you want, but how are you feeling? I feel overjoyed. I'm so excited. And it's not just about Liverpool, it's about fans being back in stadia. Um, to, to hear like West Ham fans giving John Joe Shelley stick or little bits and bobs like what during the, the Liverpool Norwich game of of the rendition of the Bobby song. It just all of it brought a genuine joy to my soul this weekend and I couldn't be happier about it. It's a great point. It's a great point. And, and you referenced the uh, John Joe Shelby chants from the West Ham fans. They were losing at the time, but they were singing to John Joe Shelby. He's coming for you. He's coming for you. Harry Potter, he's coming for you. Which was very funny because uh, he does look like Voldemort. Poor guy. Poor guy. Um, but yeah, no, the beauty of it, Ryan, is a great call because the fans back singing the Harry Kane song to Tanganga, who was magnificent today. Uh, that was great to see. Um, Alan, welcome back. Welcome back. How are you feeling? Brilliant, Owen. Brilliant. Great weekend. Great result for that uh, city defeat. Um, feeling great. Feeling really positive. Fantastic game yesterday. Just... Uh, just brilliant. Excellent stuff. Excellent stuff. We shall unpack yesterday's game in a moment. Um, I'm just wondering, uh, Abdul, did you? You've just joined us. Did, did you? Did you manage to catch the the city debacle? I caught a bit of the beginning, first ten minutes, and then uh, yeah, I didn't really catch the rest of the match, so I didn't really see it. But uh, what was it in the end? One nil, was it? It was one nil. It um, you know, Tottenham side playing Manchester City with the most expensive. Um, a starting eleven in history, five hundred and fifty million pounds, which is genuinely quite sick. But this is something that 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 that, that smacks of something. I mean, if you, if you, the listener, have have been following Cop On for a while, I've said this since day one of Cop On. With the transfer market, you can spend hundreds of millions and it does give you an advantage in terms of squad depth, but still on the day. And if you don't have, you know, the best manager to mould everybody together, and I'm still not sure that Guardiola is that man, um, you're, you're, you know, you can you can always fall flat because there are, you know, that the number of top footballers that are out there... Um, means that you will always have competition, whether you pay, you know, whether you pay a hundred million for Jack Grealish or was it twenty-five million for Bergwijn? And Bergwijn was was just as good, if not better, than Jack Grealish today. And that tells you how skewed the market is and how sick it is. But Abdul, did you watch um, Liverpool Norwich uh, um, uh, yesterday? I imagine you did. Yeah, yeah, good match, good match, and I managed to make it down to a pub for that one for the second half as well. So yeah, great, great vibes, and what a result! Great start to the league. Feels like uh, you know Christmas has come early. The way the preseason has turned into the beginning of the season, just can't really fault anything really, apart from maybe ten minutes of Costa Simicast at the end. But apart from that. 
completely faultless performance from the team. So, yeah, great start to the season and uh, great to see that our rivals are also not starting so well. So, yeah, good times. Absolutely. You got a, you got a clip round the ear um, from James Milner and then he, uh, he sort of recovered uh, after that. So that obviously works. Try it again, Millie. Give him another slap if he makes another mistake. Um, great stuff. Uh, when the lineups were announced, we had Alison in goal, Alexander Arnold, Matip, Big Verge, Simikus at the back. Oh, the dog. There's a very excited dog next door. Every time the neighbours go in their, their pool, the dog. Um, you know, I promise you, he's not. I, if you do speak dog language, you might think that he's um, drawing your attention to some uh, lost child who's fallen down a well. But uh, I promise you, it's okay. He's just a Spanish dog, and the child is fine. And if I can translate, it just means there's someone in the pool, and he's a little bit worried. Um, but that's okay. Um, what what the heck was I talking about? Oh yeah, the Liverpool team. Um, Big Verge was back. Simikas, Matip, and Alexander Arnold in midfield. Milner, Cater, Oxley, Chamberlain up front. Mane, Salah, and Diogo Jota. Diogo the slaughter. Brian, um, there were some pre-match nerves going around about the midfield three, especially. Were you bricking it or were you just relaxing, kicking back in your recliner with a with a glass of sangria and uh, you know just thinking Klopp has got it? I was uh, I was reclining with a glass of sherry, uh, pursuing perusing the the team sheet and uh, waiting for the spectacle of football that was about to <laughs> behold. Um, yeah, no, I was, I was, I was downing cans of. Uh, no, I was drinking Spanish beers with my good buddy. Uh, looking forward, we were just so happy for, for football to be back and football with fans. I think, I think we're all in agreement now, regardless. So even City fans and uh, Chelsea fans, we all just, we're all just so happy that fans are, are there. And and on top of that. The referees have come out and, and, and said, hey, <laughs> we hear you. <laughs> Football <it> was shit <laughs> for the past couple of years or whatever. We're going to bring football back for real. Uh, and uh, there's a real sense of uh, looking forward to what form we're going to have over the over the coming season. Um, and um, in terms of the game, I, I was very, very confident. I mean, the preseason... It's probably the best preseason I, I I've seen Liverpool in, in my memory. I just think we just had everything was set up just right for Jurgen Klopp and and the lads, and uh, everybody looked like they were in very good condition. And team sheet came out looked great. Norwich, whilst they're a decent side with a good manager, they're Norwich. We are a lot better than Mar- the Norwich and um you know what I said said to my, my buddy when we were watching is we just need to be professional today you know we are to a man we're a lot better than every single player it doesn't matter how many fans they have in the stadium or how excited they are to be back in the premiership we're just so much better than them and uh, if we just do do what we're supposed to do then this is not going to be a problem and I felt like as the game went on, our preseason would really start to come home um, and bear fruit. And I mean, I feel a bit sorry for Norwich because they gave a very good account of themselves. And I believe that, you know, they had uh, quite um, quite the issue with COVID. A, a bunch of their players came down with it in, in, in recent times and even some of the, 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 the backroom staff. 
but you know, three points. It's good. It was a good performance. Great defensive performance. So happy as happy as one can be on the on the first game of the season. Yeah, lovely answer. Absolutely. Speaking of the defense, um, I like to take notes. Um, in the games, you know, when the ball goes out of play, I try and, you know, scribble down a quick note. And my first note for this match and therefore this season of 2021-22 was Virgil van Dijk, um, Ryan, uh, because on six minutes, it's something that many people would, would, would forget. I would have forgotten had I not written it down. But it was Virgil van Dijk's presence. Um, he was he was up front for some reason, or he, he was attacking for some reason, and just by sort of standing next to a defender, the defender panicked. He was nowhere nowhere near him really. He was about a meter, two meters away from him. The defender panicked and sliced the ball out for a throw in, just because Virgil was standing next to him, and you know. Big Verge is back, and it makes me so happy. Um, what 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 uh, what joy does it bring for you? Oh, it's amazing to see him on the pitch. Him and Matip, we've both been out you know, for an extended period of time to see those two guys back. And no disrespect to Nat Phillips or Reese Williams, but there there, are, there is a massive difference in having those two in the team. I thought there was an interesting moment. I couldn't tell you what minute, but we had a corner, uh, and Matip. Uh, sorry, Van Dyke flinched or, or fainted as if he was about to run one way, and the defender flapped it like the the, the way like you see it in boxing all the time or in, in mixed martial arts where you know you do faint and, and you try and gauge your reaction. And I thought it was really interesting to see how much more seriously uh, defenders of an opposition team or attackers uh, take a threat like Van Dyke more than say Reese Williams. And it, it's this whole. Aura throughout the game. Maybe you'll get tested more than this later in the season, but I feel like his aura alone was enough to carry him through the game. Uh, and I just, it, it, it's, he's so cool, you know, just to watch him, even if he's not particularly like, sprinting or, or throwing in tackles, he's just cool all the time. And it, it transmutes into everyone else on the pitch. Uh, and it was, it was brilliant to see him back. I thought uh, that the way we played, uh, Despite not having the most protective midfield in front of him, I thought uh, Naby Keita in particular was really disciplined in making sure that we, uh, you know, with having Milner there instead of Fabinho, that we didn't leave too many spaces in front of him and, and that the, the, the centre-back pairing wasn't particularly overworked. I thought, yeah, it was just great. Beautiful answer. I will, I will, sorry, pull you up on the Keita shout. I can't... I... 21-22 is a new season and we cannot stand for it. It's Cater, it's Cater as in A.D., Moss or Winslet. Okay, Ryan? I've, uh, I've mispronounced that. I should have just said lad. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Yes. It's one It's one word now. Nabby lad. And that's it. That's his name. Um, he's like Ronaldinho. He's only got one name and it's Nabby lad. Yes, let's agree on that. Um... Alan, uh, those defenders, uh, Trent, Matip, Van Dyke, and Simikas, I mean, they're, they're, they're getting lots of praise, you know, Simikas is as well for, for him stepping in. Um, he had 12 crosses, in, including corners, and actually none of them 
landed on their target. But I don't think that was his fault. I thought a couple of times there were a couple of corners, for example, that went through everybody. And he was really unlucky not to end up with at least one assist because I thought he was, uh, apart from the 10 minutes that Abdul referred to earlier, he was generally, he, he performed very manfully. How impressed were you by Costa, Salon? Oh, I think he had a fantastic game. Fantastic game. Uh, like, like up until the 80 minutes um, when he did have a lapse, but which, which is understandable. The chap is starting his first Premier League game. I think he only got something like six minutes last season in the Premiership. He was bound to get tired, but up to that point, he was my man of the match. And with his crosses, I, I, I love the way he runs. He looks, he, he doesn't just hit a cross in, he looks for somebody. It, you know, he doesn't just um, get to the byline and hit it for the penalty spot as we used to do in the old days. And he goes by a player or two. I was really, really impressed with him. And of course, it helps having Van Dijk and, and Matip. Matip was an immense. It's another thing I like about Matip in the team as well, as he gives us more options around the opposition box to break through play to, to both sides, like Trent as well, is very good. It's just such a difference having Van Dijk back in the team. It just gives everybody that calmness. But I was really impressed with Costas. Brilliant answer, absolutely. Just a few stats for you then. I mean, Virgil van Dijk, he tried nine long passes, which is the most in the team, and seven of them were accurate, which is amazing on your comeback game. His his passing accuracy overall from 89 passes was 92.1%, which is which is brilliant. I mean, normally centre-backs have about 89% if, they, if they're doing really well, 89 or 90. So 92.1%, because normally as well, centre-backs don't try all the long balls. By comparison, Joel Matip, um, tried five long balls and three of them were accurate. You're right to say he was tremendous. He absolutely was. 93.2% passing accuracy from 74 passes. Trent Alexander-Arnold only, in comparison, 35 passes um, with a passing accuracy of 77.1%. And as we know, uh, Trent loves... Um, he loves to, uh, you know... Uh, to try things he's, he's under instructions to try more risky passes which is why his passing accuracy is a bit lower costas his passing accuracy is 78 percent um from 46 passes so there you go a few few passing stats for our defenders um but it wasn't just the passing that was good abdul it was uh joel natip he was my um second he you know, in my man man of the match poll in my head, he finished a very, very close second to Mo Salah because Joel Matip, he's 30 years old and he comes back and he plays like, I mean, this is this is a defender in his prime. He just he just knows exactly what he's doing at all times, doesn't he, Abdul? Oh, Matip, there's just so much you can say about him. He's yeah, very very underrated by. Uh... Not the Liverpool fans so much right now, but I think outside of Liverpool fans, yeah, very, very underrated centre-back. Just and what, what you're talking about there, where he comes back from an injury and he can just step straight back in, that's just pure experience. He's been around the game for a while now. He's the same age as Virgil, 29, about to turn 30. But Matip's unique in the, the way that he plays football. is very, very clear that he wants to be a progressive centre-back. And... Maybe that makes it easier for him to just settle back into the team when he comes back from an injury. He can just start going about his usual routine of playing nice balls into midfield, going on a nice little canter up the field out of nowhere. But yeah, it's just going to be so good to see him back. And fingers crossed they both stay fit, him and Virgil, because 
they will be so useful. Um, saying that, I thought Konate had a good chance of starting yesterday, but he didn't. But if he started, I would have also been quite happy. I think he's shown a lot in preseason, and I'm yeah, I'm excited to see all of our centre back options this year. Fingers crossed they all stay fit. But yeah, it seems like we've completely sorted that position area out. I mean, I I think it's the best in Europe uh, and the world. Though our four options at centre back, I really do. It's it, it's extraordinary. But uh, moving into the midfield, I'm going to go in a slightly different order. Ryan, um, Naby Lad, James Milner, and Alex Oxlade Chamberlain. It was unorthodox, uh, but um, I thought it worked worked very well. I mean. Naby Lad especially, 95.4% passing accuracy for a midfielder from 43 passes is crazy. But you can talk about Naby Lad, you can talk about James Milner, or you can talk about Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain. Your choice. Oh, I'll take Milner. Because I feel, I think, for me, I wanted to see Milner in the team. I wanted to see him on the left of the midfield three, and, and it turns out... It's a little bit more free form, but it's a very workmanlike performance from all three. I think Naby lads and Ox are more like uh, used to to be in the attacking, most attacking, if you like, midfielder of a, a midfield three. But I thought Milner, I wanted him in front of Van Dijk. I wanted him next to to Costas, uh, and basically just doing a, a myriad of jobs throughout the game to help the team around him. And he just is absolutely brilliant. I don't think there's anyone you want there more than James Milner for an opening game. Opening fixture of the season, uh, is it, it, talking throughout to, to uh, you know you mentioned before, giving Costas a little clip around here, making sure standards are high, uh, making sure that the the intensity is there because I think when you don't have Henderson, you need Milner because if you don't have Milner or Henderson, there the tends to be a little bit of a drop off in in our press, in our intensity, in the way that we pass, in the tempo that we pass at, and I was so made up with his performance. I think it just was a, a, almost a one-man platform for everyone else, and, and it wasn't a one-man platform. Like everyone played really well, but I think Milner is so integral to that in the way that he plays. He gets the best out of everyone around him. Great answer. Yeah, he, he was terrific. He was terrific, and you know, if you think about it, if 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 he is like you know in 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 many people's eyes like the weak link in the team, if you like, because he's not very used to the the six role. Um, and, you know, he's 35 years old now. But if you think of the, how brilliant our team must be, if Milner and, and Simikas obviously coming in as a, as, a, as a deputy might be the weakest link in it, then that shows you how, how incredible our team is. Because Milner is a, he's a wonderful footballer, one of the most underrated players of, his, of the last 30 years, easily. For me, in any position, James Milner is absolutely superb. 88.6% passing accuracy, one key pass, uh, no shots. He won a header, which is very exciting. And he had 81 touches in all. And he had that booking, uh, I think it was the 24th minute. So he plays on a ball for most of the game. But he's absolutely fantastic in the way that he, he just knows how to it, it's game management from Milner and I don't think there are many players in the league that are better at it than than him there certainly aren't absolutely it was it was the 24th minute that it, he got his booking and 
he never even well okay there was one actually quite wild challenge where he, he maybe he could have connected and got got a red but the, he he wasn't that close to getting a red we'll put it that way but he was absolutely superb um excellent stuff brian um so we've got we've got nabby lad oxley chamberlain um and uh, diogo jota moving forward any any choice from those you want to talk about brian nabby lad uh I, I really hoped that he, he put a performance in yesterday, and he did. He did exactly what he was doing all preseason. He was, he, he was, I was, he, he was, I was going to say commanding, but it was very, wasn't obvious that he was commanding, but he, he was letting his presence known in, in that middle of the pit, the part of the pitch. And uh, I think he was instrumental to how dominant we were eventually in the game because he control he, he controlled his area. Um, I, I think he's he, he's got potential to be one of our top players, um, and he he showed it all preseason and he showed it in the in the first game of the season. So I was really really happy uh, to see the kind of uh, performance he put in, and he he's got shades of Kante about him now, which <laughs> is a good thing. Kante, well, I mean, that's a, it's a big call. It's a big call. He certainly won uh, more tackles than anybody else yesterday. He won six tackles, uh, which is double what anyone else won. I mean, the people on three were James Milner and uh, Simikas. Um, Joel Matip and Virgil, they made uh, zero tackles and zero interceptions. This is according to whoscored.com because, the, as I said before, players got near them and they sort of panicked and they didn't even need to make a tackle because they're that classy but yes six tackles is 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 great 95 percent passing accuracy as i said nabby cater there's a there's a there's a thing where maybe we could manage him like psg manage Verratti in that we give him 70 80 minutes every game just to, to you know just to really you know, wrap him in, in bubble wrap because he's he's it's so exciting and, and you know the thought of getting you know five or ten games even in a row from Nabi Cater to see what level he can get is is um is uh well it's mouth watering isn't it? it's mouth watering um yeah Diogo Jota I want to talk about uh Alan and, and I thought it was interesting how there was a very very clear uh, plan when we didn't have the ball when Norwich had the ball um was for Diogo Jota to man mark uh, Gilmore basically to stop Norwich from building at at the back and and I thought that plan was was a very um successful one uh, Norwich did ha- have quite a lot of possession they had uh, around about 69% of the possession in the first 18 minutes but they were they were going nowhere they were just being funneled into you know places where they didn't want to go and um yeah i thought diogo jota was very good he defended well he obviously scored that uh, that cracking goal um which means that his his overall goal and assist contributions for liverpool is um a goal every 0.7 matches actually that's just goals sorry every 0.7 matches so it's almost a goal a game which is which is extraordinary uh, what did you think of diogo jota alan yeah, he was. He played that position fantastic yesterday. Uh, you're right. He was defending like like brilliantly. He you could see from early on that he had a job, specific job to do, and he stuck to it. It's his goal ratio was just amazing. It's just he he just has that threat about him the whole time. I think I said and 
on last week's pod as well that he gets the ball and he runs with it sometimes and you kind of think where's he going or what's he doing but I don't know how he does it he just comes out with these great runs great energy and that was a typical finish for him yesterday as well and uh, I don't know if Mo meant that it'll pass off or not but you could just see it coming um, I thought Jota was very good um, best thing I think about is when he came off he was unhappy obviously and then you brought Bobby on so the two of them pushing each other for the rest of the season should be fantastic for us. Because no matter which one of them is on now, you, you, you have fantastic player. Yeah, great answer. Absolutely. I put in my notes that it was a little sugar puff touch from Mo Salah that was lighter than a mosquito's fart. Um, Abdul... That's a good way of putting it. <laughs> it's, it's certainly one way of putting it. Um, but I, yeah, I, I agree with you. Actually, I thought it might have been deliberate for Mo, um, but it, I don't think it was. Having watched it back ten times today, but Jota was so smart with his 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 running. You know, to be in that position, just in case Mo Salah miscontrolled it, or in case Mo Salah wanted to, you know, play a simple pass to, to Jota, and and the finish was superb. So I mean, Jota, as you say. The uh, competition with Bobby Firmino can only be good, uh, and Sadio Mane perhaps as well, because he's very effective off the left, uh, Diogo Jota. So, um, Abdul, but when Bobby came on, I mean, you could see with Jota, you could see when we didn't have the ball, as I said before, he had a very clear instruction to try and get in the way of the passes to Billy Gilmore. Um, which is very sensible. But when Bobby came on, Abdul, Bobby was occupying about four defenders, both with and without the ball. Um, He scored a goal, but generally speaking, I thought he was tremendous. I thought that was a vintage Bobby 34 minutes or however long it was. Um, So, you know, of the two of them, Jota or Firmino, I know my answer for this, but who would you start against Burnley, Abdul, and why? Yeah, incredibly hard question because Firmino has come back on fire. Even in the last preseason match before, he he got two goals and he looked really energetic in a way that he hasn't looked energetic in the the last few games of the last season. Um, But Jota, my word, honestly, just on fire, like... Ever since he's come to Liverpool, he's possibly the best signing that we've made in terms of just pure impact. I mean, obviously, you could say Virgil just came straight in, did whatever he, he needed to do. but And even Salah as well, you could argue that. But Jota isn't really far off when you consider just pure impact. Just came straight into the team and he's just delivering. And um, yeah, at some point, uh, he's going he's gonna to be pulled into an office with Klopp. And Klopp's going to say, right, I can't ignore you anymore. You're going to be my main man. Um, I don't know if that's going to be for Burnley. I think Firmino, I think I think we need to see the front three back in the front three. Um, Bobby, Salah and Mane, I think I would probably go with that. But yeah, honestly, it's, it's hard to keep Joshua out of the team when he scores every single time he gets a chance. So I would go, I would go Firmino just so that we can get our settled first 11 back together as, as soon as possible. And that probably goes for Fabinho and Henderson as well. I'd probably get them into the team as soon as possible. Um, but yeah, the players who are there right now, whether it's Cater, whether it's Simicas, uh, whether it's Jota, your job right now is to 
make it as hard a decision as possible for Klopp. So they're doing that right now. And hopefully long may that continue. Great stuff. Great stuff. A player we haven't talked about yet, Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain. Um, Ryan, he only had 29 touches in the entire match. Uh, well, he was substituted on 60 minutes. Uh, but in those 60 minutes, he had 29 touches, uh, which you compare with the other midfielders. James Milner had 81 touches. And Naby Keita, who was substituted on 82 minutes, he had 55 touches. So he wasn't as involved as he could have been. He had two shots. He skewed them, could have done better. Um, but, I mean, he's he's on a long road back from a very long, <laughs> very long time out. And I like Chamberlain a lot. I like him in that number eight role. Uh, and I wonder what your thoughts are, Ryan. I think the way he plays that position makes it very difficult for him to just come back in and hit the ground running. I think particularly with Fabinho not being in the side and he's he's having to think more about you know where he needs to be tactically to make sure that we're not overly exposed. I think that makes it a very difficult first game back for him in a way that it doesn't necessarily for, for Naby. Um, in that I think he's better, more advanced Ox than, than a standard eight. And and it's a bit of a hybrid role between an eight and a ten without being either one of them. So it's hard for him to come in and immediately find his rhythm and immediately impact performances. And I think as the season goes on, God willing that he can stay fit, we'll see more and more of the, the 2017 style Oxlade-Chamberlain that we all like, really, really loved during that season. You know, Think back to his performances against Porto and Man City in the Champions League, um, and it just—it's going to take him a while, and we need to be patient. And I think you know Liverpool fans are, are really good at backing our players, and as long as we can continue to do that and not get on his case about you know maybe not having the the, the best game here and there, he, he's going to be absolutely fine. I think. I hope. Well, we can only get get behind our players. I mean, that's how. That's our job as fans, which a lot of people don't realise. <laughs> you know, so we're supporters. Let's support the lads. I mean, let's support the team. Leave the management up to Jurgen. He knows what he's doing. Leave the recruitment up to FSG. They know what they're doing. Might be controversial for some to say that, but I honestly believe so. I mean, look how, how well, look what they've got us. This team is brilliant, isn't it? Um, but yeah, okay, Abdul. Um, Sadio Mane. Wow, Sadio Mane. Um, three shots, one on target, three key passes, which is the second most in the team, equal with uh, Trent Alexander-Arnold. Three key passes. Um, he had yeah three shots, as I say, fifty-four point eight percent passing accuracy, which is not unusual for a. Uh, um, an attacker to have su such a low passing accuracy because they were always surrounded by defenders. But what I liked about Sadio Mane is that he's playing with a smile and if he misses something or if he falls over because his sort of body beats him because it's so quick, um, you know, and he's 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 just, he seems to be really enjoying his football, Abdul, and that's very heartwarming. Yeah, uh that's probably one of the minor disappointments yesterday that he didn't get a goal as long as well as um, the rest of our attackers. But yeah, he uh, really deserved it with his display. I thought he was really bright. Didn't look any kind of like sluggish. Like I knew he was getting a lot of criticism for looking at the end of last season. 
hopefully this rest has done him a world of good and yeah we're already kind of starting to see it so yeah I think with Mane it's a big season for him in a way even because when it comes to just like squad planning they are getting to like the 30s now and it does feel like there is a question around are Liverpool going to improve unless they don't take a risk sell one of their main one three and go for somebody bigger like an Mbapp um and I think if it did come down to it, I think a lot of fans would like to keep Salah. And I think that Bobby is kind of irreplaceable in what he does. And then that final position, Jota's already kind of edging out Mane, some would say, when it comes to like scoring goals at the moment. So Mane is possibly the one who's got the biggest threat on him. So it'd be interesting to see how he kind of reacts to that this season, whether he ups the levels, gets more goals than he's ever got or if he maybe kind of fashions himself a new kind of role, be, becomes more creative and does a lot more for the team. Who knows? But yeah, it's just good to see him back. It looks like he's got his hairline back as well. So can't even complain there. Um, just just a quick question, though, um, on your previous question. Oxley chamberlain I thought it was really interesting to see him start over Harvey Elliott because every single sign pointed towards Harvey Elliott getting a start. And then Klopp kind of pulled out Oxlade from his second 11 that he's been playing these last few weeks and in general to the rest of the guys I mean who do you guys think if you were a betting man it's the beginning of the season uh, so you can definitely go for like your most outlandish shot but who do you guys think is gonna make up that midfield three for us with Genie gone and if we don't make a signing for example which 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 of the three options or the four options do we have that you guys think is going to hold it down all the season long I don't think any of them are going to hold it down I think um, you know it's going to be horses for courses and also Klopp loves to spring a surprise doesn't he he loves to be un- unpredictable so I think uh, yeah I think personally it will depend on the match it will depend on the opponent but Harvey Elliott I mean he, he's too young to, to say that and the role the number eight role requires too much running um for someone that young to be able to hold down the shirt as his own, like uh, Georgina Vijnaldum did, because he just doesn't have the physical development yet to be able to play, you know, 58 or 60 games a season like Genie did in the number eight role. Very, very few people, even when they get to 25, 26, 27, very few people can actually do that. Um, So, yeah, I, I think he'll have to rotate the number eight um, but it's a very good question. Um, I don't know. Does anybody else have have any thoughts about uh, Chamberlain and Elliot when he came on? Um, I worry about Ox um, because last season was his season. It, it was like, okay, shit, shit or bust now, Ox. You got to turn up now. Last season, and now we're in this season and uh that was not a great performance from Ox I don't think um that's just my opinion of that game and and I expected as much because I I thought I thought the entire team did really well except for Ox I, I just thought he's so much he's got so much more to give he he's he's a senior player in the team now and um at a minimum, he has to act like a senior player in the team. And he, and for me, he, many times, particularly against the, the lower-ranked teams, meaning no disrespect to them, 
Um, he, not that he goes missing, but he just doesn't show up as the way uh, the way he should if he's going to be a top top professional. You know, he's not he's not a young kid anymore. He's he's a seasoned pro, and this is his. Um, there's only so many times we can all say, you know, he's a great guy and, you know, he's been injured and and uh, and whatnot. I, there's something very likable about him, obviously, because, I mean, he had a period of time at Liverpool where he was good and he, he played well and we all jumped on board his train straight away and gave him all the support in the world. But he, he needs to fucking show up now. He really does. I, I just thought... Uh, I thought yesterday's performance was was a bit weak, if I'd be honest with you. You're a hard man. You're a hard man, Brian. What about uh, this? What <laughs> what about what about, for example, last season, Brian? Last season, you know, he he played two hundred and fifty three minutes. Last season, he's got no rhythm. You've got to play him, give him 60 minutes to get his rhythm back. Because when he does find his rhythm again, and you need rhythm, especially in midfield, then he'll be back to his best. And so he needs these 60 minutes. Yes and no. Yes and no. I I, I do agree with you. And and you're obviously talking sense there. But, you know, he had as much of preseason as everybody else. Right. It's the first game of the season. Everybody starts off with an equal, equal slate, and um, I, I think this is the way you know. I think this is where we see the world slightly differently. Um, in the fact that we, it's my thoughts on Nico Williams a few months back or whatever. Yes, you know we could all be, we could all feel good about things, and we can all go yes, oh, we we hope for the best. But the reality of the situation is we are a top of you know top of the world team and 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 the margin for error is so small particularly when it comes to game time when it's on and you know we just don't have time to develop players or to uh to give people a chance or whatever it, that's not what I don't think that's what it means to be a top team you you can do it very cleverly and just kind of bed players in on the last 15 minutes of the game. But the reality is you get a window, you've got to take it, you've got to jump through it. He's had so many windows in his career. Yeah, but I I disagree with you, Brian. So many times, when he was at Arsenal, he was like, he is going to be the next big thing. His time is running out rapidly. Well, no, but you've got to give him a chance. This is the last, this is the last, his last chance saloon, Brian. And he might, he might turn up with the, you know, and be the, you know, the gun-slinging wild man that we know he could be. Alan, what do you reckon? I don't see him as a 90 minutes player. I, I, I see him as coming on in the second half um, and picking up the ball and running at teams when, when they're tired. That, that's the position I see him in. I think over 90 minutes, he seems to try too hard, if that makes sense. He reminds me sometimes of Luis Garcia from years back, who could vision, see a pass, but couldn't complete it. Uh, sometimes I think Jocks he tries too many things. He sees a pass, say like yesterday he did one kind of long pass that was wrong time, wrong pass, but a, a better player would have completed it. I think Jocks when he comes on as a sub in the second half, he has the energy, he runs the defences and he can shoot from outside the box. I, I can see him having that part to play 
uh, you know, like we said earlier on, maybe Kata was getting Kaita, sorry, Kata uh, was getting um, seventy minutes. Kata, you know, that, that I think that'd be a better thing for him. But I would agree with Brian that he's a, he's a top earner, and you know, he maybe has to do with the season, or, or else uh, maybe move him on. Well, okay, yeah, maybe it is his his uh, you know his his last season to to prove himself. But I think it was a a fairly decent start. But let's let's move on to someone who we can all agree on, uh, Abdul, because uh, Mohamed Salah. I mean, who scored dot com had has him as nine point two one out of ten. Nine point two one, um, and even I can do the maths. That there's point seven nine missing for a 10 out of 10 performance and I think who scored are incredibly harsh because that was a 10 out of 10 performance wasn't it Abdul? Yeah more of the same Mohamed Salah you know you start another season this one is particularly like oh he hasn't scored in pre-season oh what's going to happen could it be finally the season where Mohamed Salah doesn't show up but nope he comes in with his fifth opening day goal in a row is it that's just absolutely phenomenal and there's you completely understand why his agent was immediately tweeting i hope they're watching because uh i think that goal alone has probably added a fat chunk onto his bonus payment for signing on because uh yeah i mean you look up the word consistency in a dictionary you see muhammad salah's face right next to it like he is so important to this football club at the moment but i mean the good thing is we've had our talismans in the past we've had our suarez's our torres's We've even had Steven Gerrard, and you felt like we maybe over-relied on them. Uh, Salah is probably the first superstar that we've had who has a superstar team around him, but he brings it all to the table for the team every single match. He comes on, he works for the team, doing the long runs that you want in behind, even if it's not going to be a ball, chasing it down to make a pressing situation. He sacrifices himself for the team every single match, and then he gets the goals as well. So, what what a football player! I could I could sit here and eulogise about him. And the thing is, I'm not even like one of his greatest fans. I I much prefer watching Riyad Mahrez on the right wing than I do Mohamed Salah. And I know that's blasphemous. I know people are going to get into that. But yeah, I cannot burn him. I cannot say his importance to the Liverpool team. Mohamed Salah, just this is his team at the moment, and long may it continue. When that contract news comes out, I'm going to be celebrating that harder than the rest of you. So uh, don't worry. I, I know, I know, I know what I should be saying. No, but Abdul, come on, man. I'm not just going to let that go and move on to the next person and the next question. What is it about Riyad Mahrez that sort of, you know, one-footed show-off? that actually, you know, attracts you more than the Egyptian king running down the wing, coming back, uh, creating chances. He had four key passes yesterday, five shots, two on target, one goal, two assists. He almost had three assists because he tried to uh, set up Mane when he could have shot himself. He's unselfish. He's a fair player. He's uh, he's absolute. He's absolutely monstrous. He hasn't just got a six pack. He's got a I don't know. He's just he's just chiselled out of the finest stone. And uh, you prefer Riyad Mahrez? Are you nuts? <laughs> no, it's just it's just uh, I think genuinely just growing up. I used to play a lot of football down at the cage and. Everything I see in Mahrez is like stuff that you learn 
in that street football, you know, the touch. I just know that if I ever played football with Mares, I'd just be creaming myself every three seconds, just like, oh, how are you doing that touch? Oh, how are you doing that? Taking players out of the game. Salah, though, I think he's completely unique as a right wing guy. I can't, he's actually incomparable. I can't see anybody else who plays football like him right now. He's just so lightning in a bottle. And he might not do the same kind of repetitive, nice touches that I like seeing from a winger like Mares, but he, he pushes the game of football forward. Like he's evolving what is possible for a right winger to do. Like the level of goals that he gets is just not human. And that's purely from just, he's just got such a tunnel vision when it comes to just, he wants to be effective for the team and, I don't think you can coach that into kids. That's something that Salah learned when he was doing those long treks in Egypt to get to training every day, when he moved to Basel, Switzerland, when he you know, was out there in Rome trying to prove himself after he flopped in inverted commas in the Premier League. That's just something that cannot be taught. So, yeah, uh, I completely appreciate Mohamed Salah. It's just for my own pure football watching. I just love me a, love me a silky skilled Algerian. Uh, yeah. <laughs> shameful, shameful, I know. I'm so sorry. It's pretty shameful. No, but no, I, I like to see where other people are coming from. And I do understand Riyad Mahrez that, you know, silky dribbling technique. He is a fantastic player, let's be honest. Um, but I think you only develop those skills if you're that selfish kid who never passes the ball in the first place. Whereas Mo Salah, yeah. Um... Mo Salah, I mean, he spent all those hours famously on the bus, you know, six hours a day or whatever it was. And, and you know, he's a philosopher of the game and he understands percentages more than anybody. And he understands space more than anybody. So when you see Riyad Mahrez, you know, twisting and turning and doing these beautiful, um, beautiful tricks and, you know, like feints and uh, dummies and his touch is uh, very, very silky. Um, you know, Mo Salah just gets by someone in one touch and, and, and you know, doesn't, doesn't need a trick because he understands the space and he understands where the defender is moving in order to kick it around him or pass the ball or use his great strength and he's just i don't know for me he was the man of the match uh ryan he had to be man of the match didn't he mo salah yes yes he was my man of the match he was he's just a magical player isn't he uh there's that shot he has early doors where he volleys one like a million miles an hour, hits another piss missile across the, the face of the goal. That if that had gone in, pants off, kecks off, <laughs> running down the streets, waving himself in the air. Uh, he's, he's just he's so relentless as well. Like I, I hear what you're saying about Mares. I absolutely don't agree, but that's entirely fine. Um, it, it, there's a there's a of relentlessness. I think that's the, absolutely the right word for Salah in that he just consistently, week in, week out, doesn't matter if he scored already, he wants to impact the game and it can come through goals, it can come through assists and he sometimes is a little bit selfish with the goals and constantly going for them, particularly last season. Um, but he's just so... Je ne sais quoi. He just has that to him. I love watching him. He's got mm-hmm. everything you loved about Suarez, 
uh, in that he's just a, a, just levels above the defenders he's facing. He knows it. They know it. They're terrified of him. He will use that terror to his advantage. But he's also got a creativity and a selflessness. And you, know, you, you exemplified that earlier, talking about his pass to Mane to try and get Mane on the score sheet as well. And it didn't quite come off. But he's got that in him as well. And it's magical. There's a reason he's got such a cult following. There's a reason there's murals of him in New York as well as as in Liverpool and, and I'm sure several other places around the world. He's he's an icon uh, and a brilliant, brilliant, brilliant footballer. Um, comparing him with Maris just because Abdul brought him up and you know why not they play in the same position um one of them has played 227 times in the premier league uh, and one of them has played 159 times in the premier league um the first one has scored 66 goals in 227 matches with 46 assists and the second one has scored 98 goals that's 32 more goals uh, but made 10 fewer assists, 36 assists. So 98 goals and 36 assists in 159 appearances. That, of course, is our Mo. And 66 goals, 46 assists in 227 appearances for Riyad Mahrez. So there you go. There's a bit of a stat comparison. But Mo, yeah, I wouldn't swap him with anyone. Um, you can actually create someone on a computer game and, um, you know, use all the cheat codes you like. I still wouldn't swap them for Mo Salah because Mo Salah is just, I don't know, he's just as good as a right winger can possibly be. Um, there you go. We're, we're moving forward. I mean, this is, we've sort of come to the end here. Um, I just want to have a few thoughts, you know, your your thoughts about Burnley and, and moving forward and, you know, how important is, is three points against against Burnley and, and how realistic um, our three points against Burnley, Alan. What do you think? Are you, uh, I don't know, are you chomping at the bit for that match? Definitely, yeah. I'm very positive. Um, I think I said it in the pod there last week as well. I think if we get a good start to the season, which I think we will, I think City will fall off. And especially with City losing there today, I can see maybe um, one change, though. I think against Burnley, we're going to sit back a lot more. I could possibly see um, Thiago coming in. Do you know when you when we played like Borley and they sit back? I think he'd be immense against them. Probably instead of Ox. Uh, but I'm very positive. I'm really positive. Just a quick mention on Salah there. I know you passed by him, but um, when is he going to get the recognition? If he's not the, one of the best Premier League players of the last 20 years, I don't know. Like Liverpool fans love him. Most good football fans love him, but the Premier League don't don't go on about him the way they should. Um, it's just amazing, and I'd put him down for a goal next week, definitely. Lovely answer. Yeah, it is strange, isn't it? I mean, it's like uh, Alan Hansen only got what twenty six caps for Scotland. It's just one of those one of those mysteries. It's just very, very, very weird. Um, but you know, we know what we're watching, and we know we're watching a genius at work. Um, Brian, what are your thoughts on Burnley? Burnley. Let's have it completely. You know, every single game, we've got to get three points and we should be going into Burnley first game at home in the season with absolute confidence and dominance and just full of power, full of anger. You know, somebody has our title. We want it back. We're going to really make our mark 
this season because even in our most terrible of seasons uh, with the most ridiculous of um, of decisions of of injuries of almost like feeling that the world was against us we still managed to finish fourth uh, third <laughs> against all odds so now all our soldiers are ready they're all fit they're all raring to go all the stars are aligned Burnley we just go out, go out there do our jobs and get three points I'm feeling I'm looking forward to it it's going to be brilliant it's a particularly saucy start to the season, isn't it, Ryan? Uh, Burnley at home at Anfield. The crowd is going to be back. Um, it's it's going to be absolutely thrilling uh, to be at Anfield. And hopefully, hopefully, Dyche can't ruin the party. Like, uh, you know, Burnley, of course, they, they won the last time they were at Anfield. I don't know. Are you? Is there any trepidation there, Ryan? Or are you confident AF? Oh, I'm confident AF. Uh, I'm so excited. Like, I think that there's now an added impetus to go out there and wallop Burnley because City drop points. If we go out there and drop points against Burnley, it's like, well, we've missed an opportunity there to capitalise. I think the other thing that's got me confident AF, as you so succinctly put it, is that we've kept back Firmino and Fabinho until the 60th minute. We haven't played Thiago and we haven't played Henderson. All the lads that had less of a summer break, we've managed to give a little bit more of a rest to. Um, coming into the season. So we haven't just beaten Norwich and set ourselves up to go and beat Burnley. We've set ourselves up to go and win the league. And right from the get-go, that very much seems to be on Jurgen Klopp's mind. How can I make sure that we're in the best position possible to go and attack the title? I can't wait for us to play Burnley. Yeah, it's going to be so... I mean, it's just... The joy, the joy of watching Liverpool returning... Uh, it's it's superb, Abdul. Um, Burnley, Sean Dyche. I mean, he's is he going to be hoarser than ever after sh- trying to shout at Tarkovsky to to mark up and get that block in? And is he, you know after shouting at his players because we're going to actually trounce them? Uh, what do you think? How confident are you feeling, Abdul? It's one of our big chests, isn't it? We facing a deep block team already, so. Um... Yeah, going to see if we can uh, create our way through whatever Sean Dyche has prepared for us. One thing I don't know, though, is how Burnley have actually improved their team this summer. I don't know if they have maybe added some key personnel. Maybe they're trying to evolve their game. Um, but I'm guessing it's just Sean Dyche and it's just his usual. So if that is the case, then hopefully we come and get some big performances from Mane, um, whoever's in that midfield eight position whether we put in Henderson and Thiago straight back into the team. Um, Fabinho, I think, definitely has to be there. We just looked so much better when he came on yesterday. So, yeah, big big questions around our lineup. Um, but, yeah, fans back in the stadium, it's, it's going to be great, actually. I think it should be uh, a top, top experience. Seven days to train between now and then. So, yeah, really looking forward to it, actually. Um, I think if we win that in a very convincing way, I think people are going to start putting us down as favourites for the season. So, uh, yeah, hopefully we see a bit of that. Yeah, I mean, we were we were third favourites coming into uh, this weekend, you know, and I still think possibly Chelsea because they've got Lukaku and they're European champions. There will still be many people, in many people's eyes, ahead of Liverpool and, and, and Manchester City, uh, even despite losing today. 
they might still be ahead in lots of other fans' eyes as as favourites for the league. Um, they're all wrong, of course. I mean, this is going to be Liverpool's year. Coppon will be there to um, document all of it. And, you know, do get involved at Coppon Podcast on Twitter or Podcast at gmail.com. And uh, to answer your question, Burnley had bought a 20-year-old centre-back called Nathan Collins from Stoke City for 14 million euros. It doesn't get dicier than that. Um, thank you, everybody, for being on Copon, for sharing in the wonder of being back uh, in the Premier League. We've got games to talk about. We've got victories to talk about. We've got Virgil's long passing to talk about. We've got magical Mo, um, magnificent Mane, a fabulous Firmino, etc., etc. We really are the greatest team, probably in the world. In the world, yeah, in the world. Uh, thank you, Brian. Thank you, Ryan. Thank you, Alan. And thank you very much as well, Abdul. Uh, It's been a pleasure talking to you all. Take care and speak to you soon. Thanks, guys.